Before we get going with episode 89, a word from our friends at Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi is a racing club of like-minded people who enjoy horse racing and the camaraderie of being a part of something bigger than themselves. It's a true community. Adelphi's founding partners have all owned horses and other partnerships and syndicates as well as on their own, and the overarching goal with Adelphi is to blend the benefits of solo ownership, without the administrative hassle, with the thrill of the partnership experience. Adelphi offers an interactive ownership experience with real-time access to other partners, trainers, bloodstock advisors, and other members of the team, and Adelphi partners receive frequent multimedia content on their horses, including videos, photos, and partner-only podcast content provided by the In The Money Media team, as well as other premium on-track and off-track hospitality experiences. Adelphi has an exciting class of yearling prospects that are now available, and a couple that maybe you want to keep an eye on. One of them is a filly named Salevo, named after the popular Saratoga restaurant. She's a street sense filly who's bred to be fast and early and has some major European influence in her pedigree. She'll be headed to Ray Handel's barn in the spring and a yet-to-be-named Taprit Colt, who looks and is bred to be a two-turn horse. His dad won the Belmont Stakes, and his dam was a speedy stakes performer out of a leading broodmare sire, or one of them anyway, being Distorted Humor. The second dam was a stakes winner out of Arch, further building upon the two-turn credentials, and this one will be headed to the Christophe Clement barn. In the spring, be sure to check out Adelphi Racing Club for more information on everything involved with Adelphi Racing Club. Head on over to AdelphiRacing.com. Now, episode 89, the Breeders' Cup Preview. What's happening? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, November the 1st, 2021. This is episode 89 of the show. It is also Breeders' Cup week, and it's the Breeders' Cup preview pod. And as we did last year, and we've done for the Derby and some of the other big races, I asked for some submissions from folks for most likely winners, vulnerable favorites, and a horse that you're looking forward to betting, whether it's a horse you think is just going to offer good value or some sort of a longer shot, whatever it may be. And we understood that many of these were going to be coming out either right before pre-entries or while pre-entries were out. There have been a few defections from some of these races over the past few days, and I'm sure that will continue on right as we get into Friday and Saturday this week at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, We got... I'm pleasantly surprised because it was very quiet for a little bit we got a, a fair amount of submissions uh aaron reed jeff saraki uh pete visco isaac jay braver chris hurlbutt jerry richmond trish smith peter appleby dave from pennsylvania eric pajonk or pajonk apologize if i'm screwing that up michael bryant howard kravitz mike kutu and daniel dupre there were two other folks who had sent things in. One of them I got the picks from. The other one I got nothing from. Uh, We'll start with Nancy Moran. Unfortunately, Nancy, uh, I got an email from you, but there was no attachment and there was no anything else. So Nancy was trying to get involved. Unfortunately, this time around, doesn't look like it's going to be the case. And then an email from Gina from Massachusetts. Uh, I'll just tell you who she likes. Uh, Most likely winners, Latruska Gamine, Vulnerable favorites, Jackie's Warrior, and Jack Christopher, and her value play 
in the juvenile is American Sanctuary. So we're going to roll through all of those clips. Thank you again for those of you who made, took some time to, to give me a little, you know, submission here and there and, and make this episode go. And, and I think it's it's one of my favorite things, at least to give everybody else an opportunity to get their opinions out there. If you're curious about some of my opinions, I think the tentative plan right now, I don't know when we're going to record it, but there will be a pod with myself, PTF, and I think it's going to be Naomi Tucker. The three of us going over the Breeders' Cup races is a bit of a joint pod between the Players Podcast and this show. Uh, and then on Thursday of this week, I'll give you just the rundown now. Be prepared. Thursday, I believe at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific, NBCSN betting the Breeders' Cup. Myself, Edzo, Eddie Olchick, Brittany Yurton, Nick Luck, Steve Kornacki will be going over many things, all things Breeders' Cup from a betting standpoint. Very much looking forward to that. I fly out first thing tomorrow morning, so by the time you're listening to this, I'll probably either be en route or in San Diego. Friday, Breeders' Cup, Future Stars Friday. It's going to be all the races, all the Breeders' Cup races anyway, on NBCSN. And then on Saturday, all the championship races until the Classic at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. That will be over on NBC. So looking forward to getting out there. Last second qualified for the BCBC this past Friday. Who knows? I'm feeling good going into it, though. Got some opinions. Listen to all the pods throughout the week that we'll be popping in on. Also, there'll be some some stuff over on NBCSportsEdge.com. Be sure to check that out. I'll be throwing some content up over there, including a appearance on Bet the Edge coming up on Wednesday morning, I believe. We'll be going over Breeders' Cup, but I believe specifically the Classic. Um, but I'm feeling good. I think it's a good... It's it, I mean, it's the two best days of the year. We know this. We've talked about it a million times. But going into it, I feel like I'm in good form. And you know what? Form cycles come and go. Who knows? Maybe we're on the cusp of a downturn or sitting on a peak effort. I, I feel better going into this Breeders' Cup than I did last year at Keeneland. Put it that way, as far as the BCBC is concerned. So trying to put some things together, that's what part of the, the six hours out to California is going to be all about tomorrow. Plotting out what the game plan is, sort of assessing where we can take some shots and where we want to just sit back and be a little bit more conservative. But uh, looking forward to it. Again, there have been some unfortunate defections. I'm sure there are going to be more as we continue on. Uh, but we'll get into these picks here that all of you, the listeners and viewers, have submitted. And we'll wrap things up with NFL Week 9 forecasts over on 538. This past week, Week 8, was a bit of a minefield. I thankfully kind of got through it relatively unscathed, especially from the forecast standpoint. Uh, but we'll get into all those details at the end of the show. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Let's listen to what you all are looking forward to. A most likely winner, a vulnerable favorite, and a horse that you're looking forward to betting. Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday coming up this week. Hey, Matt. Mike Cuchu here at Allergic to Chalk. Thanks for the opportunity. Great format. Uh, let's get right at it. Vulnerable favorite. I'm going right to the juvie race on Friday. I think someone's going to step up and beat both Corniche and Jack Christopher. Both seem to have their weaknesses. Two-year-olds developing late. Anything could happen. I'm a rattle and roll guy myself, but I think someone's going to uh, continue to develop and, and be a real pain in the butt to, uh, to both those potential chalks. Likely winner, Philly Mayor Turf. Loves only you, Japanese import. Huge effort in Dubai. 
Uh, loved every bit of that. Beat a, got beat at the end by a very tough horse. Uh, late energy will love every step of 11 furlongs. I expect them her to run well. My price play is in the is in the mile. With in love, very impressive last two races up the hill to the wire at Kentucky Downs, and then just running by a very good field in uh, the Keeneland Mile late. I think the locals are vulnerable to new shooters coming in there, and the Euro favorite, you know, uh, used to run a little shorter. Maybe we would get her on, get him on the wire. Those are my three. Thanks. Hi, this is Jay Braver in New York City, and the most logical horse in the Breeders' Cup is Jackie's Warrior, just too good for those other horses. The most vulnerable favorite is Warlike Goddess. Foreign horses are just too good in that filly and mare turf, and the value play is command performance in the juvenile. It's getting better. He'll sit off the speeds and he'll close. Thank you. Have a great Breeders' Cup. Hi, Matt. The favorite I like is Jackie's Warrior in the sprint. He's in fantastic form. He's going to bottom out this field. No one's going to be able to stay with him. He's going to win by open lengths. I don't see any competition for him in this race. That last one was basically a paid work on the gallop bob. He's just fantastic. My value play. If Nick's go as close to the 7-2 to two line you talked about in your pod, that's the value play of the two days. But I think it'll be closer to two to one. So my value play is Walton Street in the turf. This Godolphin-owned, Appleby-trained horse is coming off an excellent win in the Canadian International. And he's a very good price at 10 to 12 to one. That's a good value play in the turf. The favorite I will fade is Tarnala, also in the turf. She's great, but she comes off a very tough demanding performance in the arc. And I'm not sure she'll be at 100%. And she's facing a deep, tough field. Matt, appreciate the chance to chime in here. Uh, most likely winner, I'm going the dirt mile. I'm going for life is good. I think the, you know, obviously undefeated except for that loss against Jackie's Warrior and really that tour de force they put up in the Jerkins. And even then, I think life is good galloped out a little better. Plus, I think the mile really hits her, uh, hits him right between the eyes. Um, in terms of vulnerable favorite, I'm going to go to the classic. I think Nick's go. Um, still questionable about him going the mile in the quarter. Plus, I think he's going to feel some real pace pressure that he hasn't thus far. Medina Spirit, obviously, I think Hot Rod Charlie can also put on a little of the pressure. And I think coming to the top of the stretch is going to be a little too much. And I think the Calvary will be charging late. In terms of value, I'm going to the Distap. I like Dunbar Road. I think there's going to be a lot of value there. Um, you know, look to kind of be past her prime early in the year. Really has turned it around lately. Good close last time in the uh, Spinster um, thought was picking up, obviously picking up the pieces a little bit, but Latruska had an easy lead that day. Wouldn't be surprised to see Chad have this one ready to go. All right, Matt, uh, most likely winner. I'm not going to try to beat Latruska. Just uh, don't see how she can lose that one. Uh, most vulnerable, uh, I would say, is Jackie's Warrior and value play. I would have to go uh, Flavian and Dr. Shivel at about four or five to one. Jeff from Chicago here. Let's get right to it. As much as I'll be rooting against Gamine and Baffert, which is something that I can say as a fan that Matt probably has to be more political about. My vulnerable favorite is going to be Echo Zulu in the juvenile fillies. We saw last year with Jackie's Warrior that when a dominant two-year-old with speed is asked to stretch out for the first time, the distance can be a big unknown. Uh, for likely winner, I'm going to go with Life is Good in the Dirt Mile. Just seems to be head and shoulders above the competition, although I'm a little worried about Ginobili, who has that good record at Del Mar. 
And for horse excited to bet on, I'm going to go with Max Player in the Classic. I do think that with all the good horses in there, he could get lost in the shuffle. And I agree with you that I see him going off closer to the 10 to 12 to 1 range uh, with all the talent in there. He's improved this year and can sit just off the pace as opposed to being more of a closer that he appeared to be last year. And I do think the pace scenario could be in his favor. And I admit I'm a little biased because I have a huge future ticket on him. Enjoy Breeders' Cup 2021. Aaron Reed here, taking a quick break from the dog jog to give you my three selections for the Breeders' Cup. Beatable favorite, Gamine. I think she'll get pace pressure from Bella Sophia, setting it up for somebody like Cece. My uh, best value is going to be Command Performance in the Juvenile. And I like, uh, it's my most likely or favorite to win to be life is good that's it i hope to see everybody out at del mar looking forward to it there's six races where you got favorites that are um could be easily singles i mean gamine golden Powell, life is good jackie warrior latruska or nick's goes but when it all comes down to it one or two of them aren't going to run well at del mar so I think that we're going to get the favorites going to win out of there for sure. And I'm going to go with Jackie's Warrior as the favorite that's going to win. That That's just going to nail it. Um, as far as who's going to beat a favorite, I think it's going to be Bella Sophia beating G Gamine. Um, but I could see it being easily being Art Collector or Charlie beating Nick Sko. And then as far as a valuable uh, a valuable pick that's out there for money, I really like that the one single Japanese horse that I think might do something. It's called Love, and it might get her done. So um, Love Only You, I, that's going to be the one that I think is going to be the best price and get you the most money when it's all said and done. Thanks, Matt. BB Law, out. Hello, horse players and Matt. Let's talk 2021 Breeders' Cup. First of all, the most likely winner, life is good. I know everyone's going with Gamine. Life is good is an absolute monster. The most talented horse, turf or dirt, Euro or American of the entire weekend. Next, my vulnerable favorite is Latruska. I think she's a bit over the top. She's going to take a lot of pressure early from as time goes by. I'm going against Latruska. And my price play, Master of the Seas in the mile. This is the other Charles Appleby trainee he's also got space blues the favorite master of the seas was awesome in the spring last time didn't like the wet turf i've seen 15 to 1 morning line on master of the seas matt i'll see you at del mar everyone else good luck in the 2021 breeders cup hey matt thanks so much for having me on the breeders cup feature for the favorite that i'm for it's going to be jockey's warrior i think that he's simply a standout in this group He's willing to fight for it. He showed that against life is good, or he can win by open lengths. I just think that he's that much better than the rest of the field. For the favorite that I am against, it's going to be Gamine. Tried to beat her some quite a few times. Never really works out. However, the value, especially in a multi-race wager, she's going to be so heavily singled. That in and of itself is worth it to try and attempt to beat her, especially with some up and coming three-year-olds. And honestly, she hasn't really been running back to her three-year-old form. And for the long shot value play is going to be Astronaut in the turf. He's definitely going to be overlooked. He's a California turf horse. He's not Chad Brown. He's not a Euro. He's easily going to probably be 20, 30 to 1. And I really like the form that he's coming into. I liked his last race, and he could be a horse that's on the improve. 
thank you so much and best of luck to everybody. Hi Matt, Jerry Richmond here. Thanks for doing this segment. Breeders' Cup is about a week away. The favorite that I don't like this year is Golden Pale. I don't think his uh, numbers, uh, they're probably in about the middle of the pack in terms of the, the field. And I think that the field that he uh, faced in Keeneland a couple weeks back was, was a little suspect. Extravagant Kid was coming off a layoff and the rest of the field was, was, was pretty weak. The favorite I think can't lose is Life is Good. I actually think I would bet him if he was running in the Classic. So to bet him in the dirt mile against uh, this field, I think beating Silver State in mind control is, is gonna be much easier for him. My value play is Royal Flag. She keeps getting better and better. A couple starts back, she was uh, half length and length away from Latruska. Uh, her Bell Dame race, if she repeats that, I think can get her right there, either uh, win or, or right behind Latruska. Uh, thanks again. This is Isaac, and here are my 2021 Breeder Cup picks. Thank you, Matt, again, for allowing us to use your platform. In the Philly and Mare Sprint, I will be going with Gamine as the most likely favorite. The horse that I will be fading in the Sprint will be Jackie's Warrior. And my value play would be in the Breeders' Cup Mile, Silver State. Thank you. Hey Matt, Pete Visco here, giving my Breeders' Cup picks. Jump right into it, most likely winner. Gonna go to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Gotta go with Life is Good, just has a talent, class, figure, speed, edge over the field. The field came up a little bit light, I think, so just seems like the most likeliest winner. Obviously, it's gonna be a pretty short price, but can't see, can't see that horse not being on the top at some point. Value play, I'm gonna go to the Turf Sprint and go with Lieutenant Dan. Just taking a shot on a horse for course. Loves the distance, loves Del Mar, has been hot lately. I think this field also is just kind of even, and I don't think there's a standout. So I'm gonna take the shot at a price, hopefully maybe get double digits. And then finally, favorite against is sort of a dovetail right off of that. Lieutenant Dan pick is Golden Pal. Again, a horse that obviously can win the race, defending champ or, or defending Breeders' Cup champ, but just doesn't tower over the field figure-wise, um, maybe even talent-wise in some respects. So I just feel like at least in that field, you can, for a horse that's going to be that short, I think you can go against, and I'm going to go with Lieutenant Dan, and, and I just feel like Golden Pal is a little bit short. Thank you. Bye. Matt, how we doing? I appreciate you guys putting this together. Okay, my um, most likely winner, I think life is good. Um, I that, you know, the Dirt Mile, I don't think anybody's going to beat him in that field. Um, you run that race 10 times, I think he's going to win it 10 times. Um, there's just nobody that classes up to him in that field. The only other horse I kind of have a little interest in is Ginobili. I think he's coming into it at the right time. Um, the horse that's up against it, and you touched on this in your podcast this week, I think Nick's go um, with the pace position or pace pressure um, possibility. Um, and this is always going to be defended on post position, which we don't know yet. But uh, with Medina Spirit, and I think Hot Rod Charlie is going to be up on the pace as well, too. Um, so I, I think Nate Sio is questionable on, um, you know, if I, I, I'm going to, you got to use him, but I hesitantly, in my opinion. Horse I like um, at a value, long shot. I really like Blowout coming into this race in the turf mile. I think Chad has space to race is out. 
very well. She's only been off the board once in like 14 or 15 starts. You cannot leave her off your tickets. And this is obviously on post position. Um, depends on post position as well too. Um, because there is some other speed. Channel Cat, smooth like straight. Um, but I think Blowout is a horse that you have to use. Um, and you're going to get a good price on her. All right. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Well, thank you again to everyone who submitted some sort of a video or even the pics that we had earlier talking about the email for this upcoming Breeders' Cup. Again, it means a lot to me and the way that we can go through and change the show up a little bit. And now post-Breeders' Cup, we'll be able to take a deep breath, be able to kind of reset things. I'm curious to know what there are more or less of that you would like to hear, um, whether it is the way that I go about recapping a race or talking about things going forward or more listener and viewer interaction or any of that kind of stuff it's a good time to do a bit of an assessment on what you guys want to hear more of or less of or vice versa whatever it may be let me know beneath the video player on youtube or on twitter at bernie or underscore matt as we have done for the past eight weeks or roughly eight weeks or so uh we're gonna wrap up this week's show going over NFL Week 9 forecasts in this past week and Week 8. Got through it relatively unscathed in the grand scheme of things compared to some others. And it's the reason I bring up the probability piece and why it's so important not to be overzealous unless you really are confident and you have reason to believe that you're going to be correct or proven accurate in your assessment of things. I, there were a number of games last week that I didn't love one way or the other, and I made those very, very much a coin flip. And sure enough, a few of them ended up playing out that way. But also, some of the games that others maybe were very bullish on. Something like the Bengals and Jets game. I said, you know, I, I don't think the Bengals, I thought they would win. But I go, this is a classic spot where they could, a bit of a letdown game. You had the big game against Baltimore, you come back here. I think they'll get through it. But... I'm not super confident that they're going to blow the doors off a team like the Jets. And in fact, the Jets ended up coming back and winning that game. Last night on Sunday, the whole Dak Prescott thing, I had the Cowboys as the team that I was going to go with. I believe it was roughly a 66% chance of winning. The Prescott news comes out, and I see many people, and the sports books included, shift dramatically over toward Minnesota as far as favoritism. And again, a sports book is different than just a you and I or anybody else talking about the likelihood of a certain thing happening. But I still wasn't totally convinced given the way I've seen Minnesota play. So I changed my probability, my forecast over on 538 to 50-50. Basically said, I'm going to punt on it. And in a way, selfishly, compared to the rest of the field, I hope Dallas wins. So I would have given up those points that I would have earned. But at the same time, everyone else is going to take such a hit for having Minnesota and probably having them relatively heavily. And guess what? That's exactly what happened. The Cowboys ended up going up to Minnesota and winning. So this is all before the Monday night game, but slowly but surely making that progress up to the 83rd percentile overall. The picks for the year, roughly about 67%, just shy of 67%, identifying the winners outright. I have also changed my model. It is much more, I'm not going to get into the details, but I think in the long run, it's going to be much better, much more accurate especially as far as the player projections are concerned, as opposed to just the more broad speaking. So uh, let's go over the week nine slate of games. 
We'll start on Thursday night. New York Jets at the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are 10.5 point home favorites. Uh, the My power ratings have the Colts as 16.5 point favorites. My model has them winning 35 to 13. So covering both of those numbers. Um, oh, I'm sorry, not covering the 16 and a half on the, on the uh, power rating, but the spread would certainly cover it there. The Colts, yeah, it was a bad loss against Tennessee the other day, but I, I, and the Jets, it was a good win against Cincinnati. I think it was circumstantial for that game. The Colts, they, they need to win this game if they're going to kind of hold serve. They're still playing catch up, but now with the loss of Derrick Henry for Tennessee, I don't have any faith in that team going forward as far as offensive pieces are concerned. A.J. Brown had a good game. We'll get into the Titans in a bit. But I, I think the Colts win this game 75% of the time, and I turned that number down. That could have meant a maxed out 90. Knowing the Colts and their penchant for kind of laying an egg in spots they're not supposed to, um, I'm going to turn it down to 75. But 35-13, to 13, Colts over the Jets, in my opinion. New England Patriots at the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are three-and-a-half point home dogs. I have the Patriots winning 20-13. to 13. My power ratings have the Patriots favored by three points. So the power ratings and the spread are actually pretty close. I think the Pats can cover that. Um, you know, for them to go to L.A. and win on a day where they didn't have their best, especially offensively, and some of the play calling was just putrid, um, I, I think it speaks volumes. I think that team continues to get better. Are they going to win a Super Bowl this year? No. Probably going to compete for a playoff spot, and I think going forward, I think they're going to be legit. Mac looked like a rookie yesterday. It's going to happen. He is a rookie. But for them to be able to overcome that and win still, I think that speaks volumes about this team, and they continue to just slowly take steps forward. So I got the Pats beating the Panthers in Carolina 20-13, to 13, 71% chance of victory. Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are three-point favorites at home. My power ratings have them favored by four, almost four and a half. The model is more in line with my opinion. I think this is a perfect storm and a great opportunity. No, many people look at it. It is a rivalry game. Don't get me wrong. I think Cincinnati is much, much better than Cleveland. My model agrees. This says Cincinnati winning 28 to 16, easily covering that number. Um, I have them winning 85% of the time. This would be the game, and it will be a game that I'll bet this weekend because I, I just I feel like this is a very good, this is an instance of recency bias where, yeah, Cleveland lost against Pittsburgh at home, but more importantly, the Cincinnati lost to the Jets. I think a lot of people are going to look at that and go, ah, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. I think it was just one of those weeks. I think they're a much better team than that, and I think they're going to put the boots to a Browns team that can't really move the ball. Uh, Mayfield is still hurt. I think Chubb without Hunt, and granted, Dearness Johnson has been very good, but a little bit of the explosiveness goes away, in my opinion. They've got a th- bit of a three-headed monster back there, but when the defense doesn't really have to respect the pass, it becomes that much more difficult for someone who is, I, I call him sort of a pure running back. Not like a three-down or pass-catching back. Chubb is more of your, you know, up-and-down kind of guy, north-south. And when the defense doesn't have to really worry too much about the pass, I think it just makes life a lot more difficult for someone like Nick Chubb. So the Browns, I think they've got major issues. Like The Bengals are still pretty darn good. I think they easily cover the three points. I have them winning 28-16, to 16, and that's an 85% chance of winning. Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys. This number is not posted yet because of the whole Dak Prescott thing. I'm going to give you both numbers, but I'm going to stick with 
the larger one. Based on the power ratings, I have the Cowboys as 13-point favorites over the Broncos. I have Denver winning, excuse me, I have Dallas winning 24-17. to Now, that's the number, assuming Dak is the quarterback. When I run it with Cooper Rush, it's 22-17. to So, I'm sure some would disagree about there only being a two-point difference between the two quarterbacks. I think based on my eye, I would agree with that as well. I'm just going based on what the numbers suggest. Um, but point being, I don't know that Dallas is going to blow the doors off Denver. Denver's a, still got a pretty stout defense, even though they just traded Von Miller. Um, but I just, I think that's one where they're going to get through it. It's not really the ideal circumstance, whether Dak plays or not. I, I expect it to be a more workmanlike victory, as opposed to some of the higher flying, you know, giant scores that we've seen from them this year. Doesn't mean I think they're going to lose. But I just, I don't think it's going to be the flashy win that we've seen from Dallas throughout the year. But I do think they get it done. I think they win 63% of the time over Denver. Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags are 14-point dogs at home. I have Buffalo winning 36-3. to It's a 90% probability. The power ratings have the Bills favored by 23 points. Um, I agree with all of it. There's really not much else to say there. Houston Texans at the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are seven-point favorites at home. I don't agree with this. My power ratings have them three-and-a-half-point favorites. That makes more sense to me than the seven, the number that the sportsbooks have right now. I actually have Houston winning this game outright, 20-16. to I think Miami sucks. It's not that I think Houston's good, but at least the the Texans have shown a few little glimpses of something. And I'm sure some folks will look at the Miami game yesterday against Buffalo and say, well, they they kept it close with them for two and a half or three quarters. I think that was a lot more of Buffalo just kind of sleepwalking through that game than Miami really bearing down and giving them a fight. Uh, I think Houston wins. I'm going to go with them winning 20 to 16 at Miami. Uh, I have Houston winning 62% of the time, and I'm sure that will be a game from a probability standpoint, a forecast standpoint, where there could be a pretty dramatic shift one way or the other, where if I'm right, I can make up a lot of ground, and if I'm wrong, I'll lose quite a bit of ground because the vast majority of the people will be on the other side. Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They lose Jameis Winston. Looks like it's going to be Trevor Simeon. Uh, My power ratings have the Saints favored by 19 my model has them winning 30-17 to 17 over the Falcons. It's a 75% chance of victory. The Las Vegas Raiders, they're on the road taking on the New York Giants. The Giants are three-point dogs at home. Uh, my power ratings suggest they should be four-point dogs. Uh, the model is more bullish about the Raiders' chances. It has the Raiders winning 25-16 to 16 on the road. I tend to agree more with that than I do either of the other two numbers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders winning 77% of the time. Minnesota Vikings at the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are five-point home favorites. My model has them winning by 6, 26-20, although the power rating suggests it's a coin flip, basically. 0.27 points is the difference between these two teams according to the power ratings. I'm not buying that. I think Baltimore gets the job done at home. Again, I have them winning 26-20. to 20. It's a 69% chance of victory. The Los Angeles Chargers on the road at the Philadelphia Eagles. This was a surprising one from a model standpoint, in my opinion. Eagles two-and-a-half-point home dogs against the Chargers. My power rating suggests the Eagles should be favored by two. The model... And I think a lot of this has to do with just how bad L.A.'s run defense is. My model has the Eagles winning 36-19 to with Jalen Hurts running wild. I think I had him, 
oh, I'd have to pull it up really quick, but I think I've got him pegged for something like 110 rushing yards, which I know sounds a little aggressive. I'm sorry, 80 rush yards to go along with 161 yards through the air, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, but uh, has much more to do with the fact that this is projecting Philadelphia is just going to run wild. Um, off of a disappointing loss for the Chargers going on to the East Coast, maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting number for a couple of different reasons. The fact that the actual betting number suggests that the Eagles are two-and-a-half-point home dogs. Um, both of my numbers suggest that the Eagles are actually the more likely winner, and the model is really bullish on them. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia winning this game 75% of the time. I've said it. I don't really think Philadelphia is that good. But as more time goes by, I don't really know what teams are good. There might be eight, ten max good teams and like three or four really, really talented ones. But the rest of them, I think it's just throw them up in the air and see where they land. Green Bay Packers at the Kansas City Chiefs. This game could change a little bit based on what happens on Monday night with the Giants and Chiefs game. Chiefs are two and a half point home favorites against the Packers. My model has the Packers winning 29 to 18. The power rating suggests that the Packers should be two and a half point favorites. Um... I don't really have much else to say. I mean, it seems like the Chiefs can't stop anybody, and the Packers are rolling along. They knocked off the Cardinals on Thursday night, and we'll find out if they can beat a Chiefs team that looks very flawed, regardless of what happens in this game or regardless of what happens tonight on Monday night. Uh, the Chiefs look flawed. Wouldn't fault anyone that looks at it and says, you know, two and a half, they, you know, you can see them winning at home by three. I'm going to stick with the model. 29 to 18. I've got the Packers winning 75% of the time just based on the fact that that defense for Kansas City looks terrible. Arizona Cardinals at the 49ers. The 49ers, two and a half point home dogs. Power rankings suggest they should be about 12 point home dogs. Model has the Cardinals winning 27 to 12. Now, this could be an interesting number to keep an eye on if Kyler Murray is really, really banged up. Um, his calf or his ankle, whatever it was, is it got tweaked at the end of the game against the Packers. I could see that one. I'm surprised it is only two and a half, although, you know, the 49, I just think the 49ers aren't very good, but if Kyler is dinged up, and I know they played some tough games over the past few years against one another, but I, I just think Arizona's too much. I'm going to go with the Cardinals 27 to 12 over the 49ers. That's an 85% chance of happening. The Tennessee Titans at the LA Rams. Now, this game's number is not on the board, I think because of the whole Derrick Henry thing, although it sounds like he is going in for surgery. Uh, even if Henry played, and that's the number I'm going off of, so this could even be turned down some. I have the Rams just absolutely housing Tennessee. Now, my power rating suggests it should be about a four and a half point game, that the Rams should be four and a half point favorites. I have them winning 38 to 16. And that 16 for Tennessee is with Derrick Henry. Without, they would drop them down to 10 or 11. I just, I think that team becomes very, very. <sighs> Predictable is not the right word. But when you take away an element like a Derrick Henry, and yes, you've got good weapons, or decent weapons anyway, on the outside with A.J. Brown and Julio and a couple of other guys, and Tannehill's fine, but if I have no idea who can run the ball for them, and they're certainly not going to run the ball the way that Henry did. I, I think the Rams could 
could absolutely put a beat down on, on Tennessee in this spot. I have the Rams winning 90% of the time at home. And that gets us to Monday night, Chicago Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just an, a dreadful game. Uh, the Steelers are six and a half point home favorites. Uh, the power rating suggests they should be nine and a half point home favorites. And my model has them winning 19 to 12. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh winning this game 60% of the time. There you have it. NFL forecasts over on 538.com for week nine in the league. Let me know what your thoughts are about those games, about just the NFL in general. Let me know. I'm going to keep doing this just because I think it's a good exercise to do. And I think it's the way that everyone should start thinking about going about playing, whether it's the horses or betting on football or basketball or hockey or whatever it is, more from a probability standpoint and not the result. And take advantage of odds when they're in your favor. That's what you absolutely need to do. I'm going to keep harping on that from now on. Thank you again to those, all the to all of you who ended up submitting something for this year's Breeders' Cup preview show. Uh, again, keep an eye out for anything and everything coming up this week as we get closer and closer to the World Championships. Thursday, Friday, Saturday coverage on NBCSN uh, at different times. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to wrap this thing up. I appreciate all of you for coming along. Uh, however you listen to this thing, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and themoneypodcast.com. Over on YouTube, search for Matt Burner Show. You get this episode along with the 88 prior. Until next Monday, and I'm probably going to be pretty groggy. Until next Monday when we come back and recap the Breeders' Cup 2021. Best of luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever you play. This has been episode 89, Breeders' Cup Preview. The Matt Burnier Show. <laughs>